It's everything Queensland footy. Good ball football from the Brisbane Lions. That's a big one for the Suns. This is Northern Exposure. Yes, another week of two from two. Nick Davis, Jack Fulham here for another week of Northern Exposure. It is another coin sweep, Jack. I'm I'm happy that you're happy because you were actually front and center when the Suns knocked off the Tigers. But you would you wouldn't hear that the Suns won. You'd just hear that the Tigers lost. God, I can get so sick of the Melbourne media oh, at times. But Melbourne anyway, Echo, we're celebrating. We're we're celebrating. Well, we're, we're absolutely celebrating. This is exactly why we created this forum in the first place. But my friend, you're back from um <laughs> the, from the deep south and uh, well back into. A lot happier pastures, but please uh, tell me. Tell, we'll start with the Suns. Tell me what it was. What was it like to go to a Gold Coast Suns game down at Marvel Stadium? Yes. Well, uh, we went down to Marvel Stadium. Uh, someone forgot to tell the Richmond fans that the game was on because hardly any of them showed up. There was only twenty three thousand in the house. Uh, it's a long way for the MCG, mate. What, what you say? And there's a, a small, merry little band of Sun supporters, which I actually attached myself to. Uh, Good man. I was, I was wondering where you'd go in that just game. Just for, you know, purely banter purposes. And I've got to say, before I get into how good the Suns were, and they were they were fantastic and two on the trot, the season's starting to turn around. I'm going to start so this podcast back. off with a little serve for the Richmond Tigers and their fans. Okay, well, hey, hey before, before you go off the leash here, like, I know the Tigers are crap, but can I, as I touched on at the start, Everyone has spoken about how bad the Tigers can. Just someone please applaud the Suns for winning this game. Like hundred percent, there were so many. Joy, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a great game of footy. No, but when the game was there to be won, the Suns they kicked six in the third term, did enough. Hmm. And uh, look, this is a side that that is trying to build themselves back up. This is another galvanising win without Tuke Miller. I got the job done. Hmm. But all I'm hearing is just. Death of the Tigers. Yep. Now, uh, hopefully you can speak to both of that. And it may be the death of a dynasty. I grew up a Richmond fan. That's no secret. And I, I still have so much love for the Tigers. Absolutely. And when I grew up, we were a shit team. We were terrible. We were garbage. You truly were. We were you a really tip fire. Were. You know those, <laughs> when you see in America that a, a garbage tip full of spare tires is just caught on fire. That's where the Tigers were growing up. Can I put it out? And it was... It sucked. It was very character building. I used to get bullied a lot about school about it. Anyway, this is not my therapy session. One thing I always remembered Tigers fans <laughs> being was ferocious and full of voice and just not, you know, we'd be getting blown out by 80 points and there would still be three quarters of the fans there cheering on the team and supporting them through tough times. Premierships have made Richmond fans weak. Hmm. Once, you hate to see once it. there was a you ferociousness, uh, you know, a just a, a real will to try and get their team over the line. There was a desperate longing in that team. There was, and when those premierships came, and especially the first couple of years of the premierships, that that you know release of all that pent up anger and resentment towards their team, it just it just happened. But now, Richmond fans, they are entitled and they are arrogant. And just listening to the conversations around me in the crowd at Marvel Stadium. Oh, what are you hearing? we don't like coming to Marvel Stadium. It's bullshit that the AFL forced us to come here. Imagine that. Oh, just, just imagine and that. And then getting stuck into players that, you know, that are three-time premiership players. And then even some of them were booing Brandon Ellis. And I'm like, mate, this bloke this played old. in your, your first premiership in 37 years. Played in two premierships for your club. Life member of your club. Why would you boo him? You're, you're a gronk. Get out. 
Um, so, I, I, you know, I was actually embarrassed to, to be a Richmond fan. That's why I ended up cheering on the Suns. And it was fantastic. Uh, I, Who, whose colours did you wear down there? I did wear the Suns. Uh, I did yeah. wear the Suns kit. Just for a bit of shits and giggles. And uh, it, it was fun. There was some good banter I had amongst the crowd. We had a, an interesting time. Um, one bloke threatened to bash me outside. That was fun. But people told him to I, sit down because he was a I, bit of an idiot. I've been to a lot of places with you over the years, Jack, and you you get threatened to be bashed at a higher rate than a lot of other people I've ever surrounded myself with. But the irony is you almost welcome it, and I really feel like no one's actually going to do it. Yeah, You're big enough. I, I, enjoy, that... I enjoyed it. It's a bit of fun. i got a punchable yeah. face, I'll admit it. Um, <laughs> you know, some people have a t- punchable face. To- ne- Toby never, Green I've, has a punchable face. I have a punchable face. So, God, I'm... God, I'm coming around to, to Uncle Toby. I'm really speaking, trying of. to become a real admire, real admirer of him. But that's enough negativity about the fall of the once great Richmond Empire. Yeah, stuff them, stuff, stuff them. Let's look. How good were the Suns? And if it, now, I, the rising Suns. I'm going to start with a man that doesn't get a lot of props, but he is emerging into a fantastic AFL footballer, and that man's name is Charlie Ballard. He dead set plastic bag Jack Rewald on the weekend, turned him inside out. Jack Rewald touched the footy about three times, and yeah, Charlie uh, Charlie Ballard was all over him, and probably one of his most complete games of AFL football. Also used the ball well and and was involved in you know several plays going coast to coast. So Charlie Ballard, take a bow, young man. I, uh, there was great performances all over the field, and like yeah, it was it was scrappy. It, it wasn't great football. It was a lot of turnovers, uh, both sides. Mm. But another four goals from Ben King. Huge. Off the back of his five the week before. Nair Anderson, 32 touches. This blew my mind. Matt Rail, 25 disposals for only the third time in his career. Mm. I, I, I can't get my head around that. But again, without Tuke Miller, they all stood up. They all delivered. They were dominant. Sexton's getting the in the party. Atkins getting in on the party. Like, this is... Uh, I, I spoke last week about how the win against North Melbourne would do something for this side. Yeah, yeah it was North Melbourne. And... They're inconsequential as a club, mm. just in general. But they they needed that last week. Just a nice little intimate setting, last game of the week. A nice little throw. And, 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 and it, it, it gave them confidence. And all of a sudden now, we look at their next month. You've got Melbourne at Heritage Bank next week, which is you know, it's going to be a challenge. But that, but but that game you know has suddenly no, become winnable. Exactly right. There's a bit of belief there. Mm. Uh, they'll, go, they'll travel over to the West after that. They'll take West Coast, which you know you pretty much just put down as a buy. You'd come into the Bulldogs, maybe that's uh, a 50-50. And then uh, I, I believe it's the Lions there's, after there's that. Then a Q-Clash. So, a Q-Clash. So look, there's two, there's another two wins there. They're just, they're just ticking along. There's life in this they're team. They're mate. They're staying alive. Yeah, not bad. Not yeah, bad. That was, uh, yeah, not my best work. That's okay. No, that's all right. Just get it. That's all right. That's all right to go with Coast Suns. It's okay. And, They're just getting it out there. And, other, and, I'm, ha- and I'm happy some with Some other it. positives from the weekend. You touched on Rory Atkins. I think that was his best game in Suns colours. Been a little bit maligned since he'd come across to the Suns from the Crows. Rory Atkins was on, he's still on decent coin uh, across a four-year deal and has been in and out of the twos for his time at the Suns and, you know, recalled to the side. He gave him a lot of run, did some tough stuff off halfback, um, even, you know, was involved in, um, you know, in centre stoppages as well. So, uh, you know, if Rory Atkins can string that kind of form together, uh, he won't leave the side for the rest of the year. I thought Lockie Weller's game was tremendous. He really broke some lines and was ultra classy sending the ball forward. And, yeah, uh, just so many positives across the board for the Suns. 
And again, it's like, look, the, the, the narrative that sort of ebbs and flows mm. every single week. But the Mirage is back. Right? Oh no, the, the the pressure's off. Actually, well, maybe this is what I don't like because mm. all of a sudden, it's when the Suns are expected to win a game. That's when I start to worry. But just but right now, the pressure valves ease right off. No one's talking about the Suns. No one's calling them a dumpster fire. It's just, <laughs> it's like when it's like when someone's just not being bullied anymore. Like I don't know, don't draw attention to yourself. It's okay. Just we're we're out of the woods for a bit. Just out of the woods. But look uh, again. Look at someone like Weller who. We remember he's coming back from an ACL mm. uh, to do the things that he's doing. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of another man coming back from long-term injury, Will Powell. And it was funny sitting with like Richmond fans behind me that just had no idea about Will Powell. And it was this bloke that was behind me and he, and he was quite vocal, but I was having a chat to him throughout the game. And uh, and I go, hey, Will, Will Powell, he's an absolute jet. One of the most you know underrated halfbacks when he gets going and when he fully comes back from that injury. And he goes, oh, no. Nah who's Will Powell? And by the end of the game, he goes, you're right about this bloke. He's got a bit of go about him. And, <laughs> yes. and it's, it's, it's also that kind of thing where you, you realize sometimes how off Broadway the Suns are, oh, that they are, that they are so unknown as that. And we're kind of blinded by, we wear the rose colored Suns glasses. We follow them. We watch every game. We, but it's because, it's them. because no one else does. Mm. It, it, it's exactly this is exactly why we do this because there's blokes down in Melbourne who have never heard of half the list, yeah. which is you know these are these are AFL mm. players. You know, you know, they'd be run up upon by about ten different people if they stepped in any cafe in Melbourne if they played for a big Victorian club. Yeah. But they are incredibly anonymous, and you know, what they're doing on the field against you know the recent three time premiership side, it deserves recognition. So good on your Will Powell. Good on your Will Powell. Alex Davies too. Had a... Oh yeah, he's been in and out of the side for, for quite a while. The Cairns boy via Broadbeach, and again, I thought he had a really solid game. I was happy to see him. So I'm glad they took him, and he he used his chance. Um, another one who whose impact that I liked was Malcolm Roses Jr. He started as the sub, came on close to the end of the third term, and I noticed I noticed Humphreys was subbed off mm. again, so they're still using him in that role. Yeah, I don't think Humphreys has that. The, you know, that four-quarter aerobic ability yet. And he had some nice moments, Humphreys, but it'll be a learning experience from him, uh, for him. He was outbodied a few times by Camden McIntosh and just sort of struggled to find his way at times. But he showed some nice things. But when Malcolm Roses came onto the ground, and yeah, it was only for a quarter, but he chased and tackled and harassed. Uh, he was just a one-man pressure machine. I don't think he touched the footy that often, but I think he had a really big impact without touching the football um, and just the amount of pressure that he was able to apply, especially at the start of that fourth quarter where it looked like the Suns were just uh, struggling to you know, keep their intensity around the contest and Richmond kicked a couple of quick goals, got back into it. I thought he, you know, his role around half forward was pivotal, even though he didn't touch the footy that much. And I think it's a really good use of the sub rule. Um, that kind of small forward type, and, and Mel Roses is, is rangy enough that can just go and be a, a pressure machine against tired legs. Well, I mean, look, if you're going to use the rule to your advantage, you may as well. And, you know, I think the Gokko Suns have got it right. And that's maybe the sort of swing that you need, you know, for a small sort of spark type forward like Malcolm Roses, mm. you know, asking for four quarters of that from him, it's it's untenable. And the same for like a young bloke like Bailey Humphrey. So, yeah, Stewie Jews, I mean, tactically, he's, he's got that right. So I, I'm very interested to see how this is going to look in the coming weeks. Why not? 
why not make it a specialist position? Well, we've seen the old, older players now being used as the almost this, you know, tactical medical sub, just going, oh, we're just going to manage you throughout the game. But yeah, you're right. No, train them up. No, tinker their training to, we just want 100% effort from you for one and a half quarters. Yeah, yeah go and play but, 25 oh, minutes of footy. Yeah. I was, um, I was thinking about this though. Um, uh, you'd be familiar with, um, I guess, uh, what, what are they called? The bullpen in baseball? Yep. When they uh, release the release the backup pitcher, yeah. when the closer I want to see, oh, I want to see that used for the sub. <laughs> I know, I, I I'd love to see the first. Uh, this is a challenge to any team in the AFL. Like, borrow this, use this. Uh, you you te- your behind the scenes team. They know who the subs get. Or just be. a you can w- have the graphic. like a WWE walkout for the sub. I I would love that. I would love that. Like we we've now got this thing in our game. Why not? <laughs> yeah, three three quarter time. The sub just you know the tunnel fills with smoke, and then here comes the sub. It's Little Malcolm <laughs> Roses Junior fireworks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, but it's roses. You're playing Guns and Roses or something yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think this is a great opportunity. The AFL have compl- I don't. I, you know what? I don't even care anymore about stealing from other sports. You go, no, we can't do that because they do. We stole, we stole Magic Round. We stole Gather Round. Like. Why not? Dallas steal it Honestly, what? Absolutely. Like this is something that works really well, really well. And I, again, something we'll do throughout this podcast. Uh, we'll keep looking into the wider world of sport and what could we actually bring into the game of AFL? You know, uh, maybe we're not as much as I'd love to see it. We're not going to see like English terrorist style songs and chants. Although I still think there's potential for it. But I, I think this is a gimme. I think this is a dead set. Gimme. This is absolutely a gimme. WWE slash MLB walkouts for the sub. And and yeah, let's think. Crowd like all clubs have control. They have control of the lights within the venue. They start to flash them on and off during a goal. Like oh, I've got to make some calls. Like uh, this, this has to be done. Mm. Uh, well, there has been a regime change at AFL House, so let's get Andrew Dillon on the phone. Obviously, Gil for Dill. Yeah, <laughs> Gil out, Dill in. Uh, 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 hey, Gil, you said October. Yeah, yeah no, that's no, all right. Just, just clean out the. Gil's November now. But, uh, I'll, I'll be gone. <laughs> just, 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 just forgot something. Gil's not leaving, Jack. Yeah, no, he isn't. Um, Gil, <laughs> Gil for life. And to be honest, I'm not prepared for Gil to go. Andrew Dillon no. seems like a lovely man, and you know that's done a great job in his 23 years at AFL House so far. But very, I, very wholesome, very wholesome, very but... wholesome individual. You know, seems like a straight cut good guy. I just, I love Gil. I love Gil's hair. Yeah, I love what he's done for the game. I just. You know, to use to use the Gen Z term, Gil's got riz, bro. He's got serious riz. Yeah, Gil's rizzed everybody. Tasmania, Queensland, Western oh, Australia. But, uh, well, they, they speak about Dylan. Uh, speak about Andrew Dylan coming to this role and how he might be um, more of a behind the scenes operator. He won't quite be the face of the hmm. AFL like like Gil. That, that from... took Gil a long time to grow into too. After Andrew Demetrio left, well, Demetrio was really he was. A, Sort of came across as grumpy, and I guess my, my memories of Demetrio are very much through the Essendon drug saga. But, uh, um, my memories are he's stuff up some brown line night, but you know, um, <laughs> uh, which hill will you die on? But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, look. I'm glad they found someone hmm. because honestly, I was uh, for the amount of different you know, footy media that I ingest, a lot of the conversation was started to be taken up by who's coming into the AFL CEO role, hmm. and I just. I just didn't care that much. Like, it, it, it's funny the stories that different journalists chase. Like, yeah. if, you, if you think about, you know, you know you, you've got your bottom feeders who might chase, like, oh, they've got this injury or maybe, you know, 
rumors they could be going to another club. And then you see <coughs> like the yeah, you see the real like the creme de la creme chasing after the ah oh, okay uh, they want the AFL the head of the AFL story. Yeah. It's, it's just like yeah, when you stop looking at players, uh, it's like you know players and coaches and then guys that sit on boards. Yeah, like. I, I I don't I don't know if you're a young reporter coming through going if you're gonna oh, like oh, what I found out what was said in the president's meeting like mm. I don't I don't care that much yeah. although speaking of well what's just come out of the president's meeting today is that unanimous uh, vote on Tasmania that took them 15 minutes funny that how good how good that Tassie's getting a, a team but before we move on to the lines I just want to say to Gillan McLaughlin on behalf of Northern Exposure the big player in you know Sunshine State Media. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for all that you've done for Queensland Footy Gill. He brought the AFL here, well, out of necessity, but he was also one of the driving forces and still is one of well, the biggest supporter of the Gold Coast Suns in terms of funding, in terms of batting away any time relocation talk comes up for the Suns. He brought a grand final here. He put faith. And also he and his um, football operations team were, were crucial in putting some structures in place at the Brisbane Lions, the hiring of Chris Fagan, uh, Greg Swan coming on as CEO to rebuild the Lions as a club too. Gill has understood how important football is in the Sunshine State. And, you know, we, we can't thank him enough for the impact that he's had. And especially over the last, you know, since I've been living in Queensland, this seven years now, and grassroots, grassroots participation is off the charts. Women's football, like we are possibly the strongest state for women's football. The amount have to think the so. amount of great female players that we have coming out of Queensland is is off the charts. And and being and being nicked by Victorian clubs. That's and, you know, I, I hate seeing it for the sake of the Lions and the Suns, but we're getting like Queensland is getting raided for talent. Yeah, the, like the amount of Queensland born and bred talent that he's running around in the AFLW, it's probably more than West Australian and South Australian talent. It's in, it's in. absolutely incredible. So, and, and Gill's been one of the driving forces of, of female football and, and the launch of it, and we know how well the AFLW is going. So we, we often complain about our game and the people in charge of it, but Gil McLaughlin, what a fucking bang-up job that bloke has done. And, and we, on, we salute him. On, we salute him. We do. Love you, Gil. We do. And I love you, Gil. I'm, I'm really hoping that, and you, know, you, you do touch on a very important point there, is that, you know, I, I really hope that within the sort of like, <laughs> I don't know what sort of succession plan they're going to use here, yeah. a co-captain sort of model, but God, you hope in the portfolio that Gil has just going, he's got his just like owed to Queensland and just going like, I don't care about anything else. I don't, don't ga- stuff it gather up around Queensland. nothing. Don't stuff up Queensland. You protect you protect Queensland at all costs. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're watching, like the NRL has had to step up yeah. here in Queensland and they're doing a very good job. So I think... New South Wales seems to be the new battleground. Yeah. Yeah, New South like, like New South Wales is going to be the huge, you know, battleground over time and hopefully that in the near future we can see a Suns team put together a finals performance and really gain some groundswell because they've put in all the hard yards on the Gold Coast. They and even though the attendances might not be there, the Suns are at the forefront of the hearts and minds of Gold Coast people. They know oh, they they, Gold Coast people they know are. the Suns. And unfortunately, Queenslanders, we're a fickle mob. We only want to turn up when someone's winning. Yeah, and you've got, you've got enough enough for one ticket per week, and you're going to go where you've got the highest odds of a win. And Fair enough. It's three three hours of your life. You want to have a good time. And, you know, like we, we often compare, compare the codes. 
the Gold Coast Titans, I would put as pretty much a... They're probably in the exact same position as the Gold Coast Suns. You know, they, they, they are, struggle, yeah. they struggle with, for big with the crowds. advantage With the advantage of being a rugby league state. Yeah. So I'd, I'd almost put them... But Yeah, they've made finals a couple of times. But, yeah, they've yeah. made finals a couple of times, but you know, they struggle to draw consistent crowds. But we saw a few weeks ago when they played the Broncos, the Titans came into that off the back of three in a row. They're sitting just outside the top four, sitting pretty. They're playing top of the table. And they packed out Seabus Stadium. They had 30,000 there. Or mm. close to 30,000. That if the Suns... And that that's doable for the Suns. If That is. I, I'd love to see the Lions fans mm. travel properly for a game at Metricon. I think... I think that's just what's missing because uh, the Broncos they did it really well. Yeah. I know that they 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 made sure they sold like supporter bays and like a, a, almost like an away team section. Yeah. So they they travel like, they've got a big base there anyway, but they travelled really well. I, I always think that's what's missing from the Q clash. Uh, it's very I think it's very easy for Lions fans to go ah, yeah. it's pretty close like ah, so, but it's a little bit too far so ah. Go down. I, I like I like Metricon. I, I enjoy the stadium there. But it's a great. It's a very up. Queensland stadium as well, isn't it? It's, it actually is. You're right. It really is. It's um, in terms of like AFL stadiums, at least that I've been to, it has its own unique feel about it. It's very open. It's very breezy. It wouldn't feel out of place on the subcontinent, Metricon. It actually do. You're right. I can see it as like an as an IPL venue. Mm. Yeah, it's um, but, uh, but you know, you got very deep tiered seating up the top. Like you, you set up that second layer, uh, that second tier. It's not a bad seat. It, it's not a bad it's seat a in the whole venue. Place to watch football, and it's it's big enough, but it's also intimate enough. There's obviously the surface hasn't been you know amazing over the time, and we have seen some injuries there. But um, you know, the weather's usually good. Doesn't rain too often up at Metricon. You do get a little bit of dew on the ground, but it's a great place to play football. And now that the Suns have all their facilities, they've and we talked about this last week, the training centre, the centre of excellence, a beautiful stadium. And that's all because of the hard work that Gil put in, in uh, getting yeah. the Suns out and the investment that the AFL's put in. So, hey, if they build it, well, we built it, hopefully they will come. Hope so. Oh, so thank you very much, Gil. Final little tangent before I, I promise, listeners. Final little tangent before we go to the Brisbane Lions. So Lions fans, just hang on, hang on. Uh, Eddie Maguire's proposal that certain clubs to help nationalise the game even further, as in the Giants should play eleven home games in Canberra and eleven home games. They, they don't need. They don't need to travel to Melbourne if they want to play finals. They'll play finals in Melbourne. That's fine. But they start moving it around a bit. So, and he also said the Suns. So the Suns will be playing games across Cairns, Gold Coast, and the Northern Territory. Yeah. They don't need to actually travel to Melbourne because uh, you're looking from a sheer money making point of view. They're not going to draw crowds, even if they're playing against big clubs. Yeah. You're not going to get sixty thousand for Collingwood, Gold Coast at the MCG. So, cut that loss there and continue to expose the rest of the country. Yeah. But I was wondering, have you had any any thoughts on that? What is interesting, like we at University of Queensland Football Club, we play with a couple of kids that have come down from Cairns, um, you know, for their uni. And the Suns have been up there playing games in Cairns for pretty much since they, they've existed. They've played yeah. plenty of games up there. They've probably maybe played in Cairns 11 or 12 times. Yeah, so a couple of the boys that we play with at University Queensland Footy Club, they're Cairns boys that come down here. To, to play, uh, you know, to go to uni 
and also to play footy at our club. And these kids that are born and raised Cairns products, but they're Suns fans because the Suns were the only club that came up to Cairns consistently. The Suns played there, you know, 10, 12, 15 times over the last, you know, 10 years. And they've done all the community camps. They've been out to the schools. You know, local kids from Cairns have been drafted down to the Suns. That the Suns are Kansas team. And, mm. and and I completely understand where Eddie Maguire is coming from that, you know, if the Suns also have that relationship with Darwin, which they started a few years ago, and they're going to be playing another two games there uh, in just a few weeks' time, if they have that relationship with Darwin, that, okay, you're going to see Northern Territorian kids be Suns fans. And I don't think we'll ever see the Territory get its own team, but if we can kind of merge that Territory market into the Gold Coast Suns and make it just helps the Suns be more viable and they get a, yeah, exactly a, a right. wider and deeper fan base. I like it. I like it. Okay. As I promised, that was, that was the final tangent. We'll finally get to the Brisbane Lions who on Saturday, well, we always, I think we predicted about 10 goals and it was close enough to 48 point win over the Dockers. It's really funny. I, Lockie Neal just dominated mm. again, 35 touches. I actually, he loves beating I up forgot. on his other side, doesn't he? I was going to say, I forgot that he played for them. Yeah. I, I'm now so used to Lockie Neal being a lion yeah. that I forgot that he used to be a docker. Now, no, I'm sure they drive West Australians nuts, but yeah, it's just it's just not part of who he is anymore. No, that's 100%. And had the 35 touches, he was just absolutely everywhere. And it's and we, we've mentioned this ad nauseum over the last few years, but it almost gets like... So, like we... Lockie Neal is so unappreciated just because of the the sheer numbers that he puts up and that he does it so consistently. It's not anything to write home about, which it should be because he is excellent. Yeah. And that's his performance on the weekend, probably another three Brownlow votes. The only bloke that could challenge him for the three Brownlow votes was Will Ashcroft. The best game of his young career. Oh, my goodness. If this is what we've got look, to look forward to in Game 7, Jesus, bugger me when he gets to Game 100 because... He is going to be tearing the competition a new one, and that goal that he kicked, the goal of the year, he just first of all, first of all, he meant free zone. It. Oh, so straight, he he meant just like Charlie Cameron mm-hmm. meant it the week before. And my my theory on this is always, if you try to do it, if you try to kick a goal of that and it goes through, you did it. If you missed, you were still trying to do it. People are like, oh, it's a fluke. Oh, no, it's not a fluke. And like I was watching mm-hmm. um, Mitch Robinson, Dane Zorko talk about today. I didn't realize there's a bloke hanging off him at the same time. Yeah. What, what he's done. Uh, it's truly incredible, but I, I said at the start of the year, I was worried. I was worried we'd put too much pressure on this kid. And I, I, I like that there's so much shine on Nick Dacos at the moment that it's actually taking a lot of pressure. And maybe the fact that he's not in Victoria yeah. either is actually a great thing for him. But I watch it. I sometimes like to watch footballers, not when they have the football, when they don't. Mm-hmm. So he kicks a goal and you watch him just going back to the centre. And he looks so comfortable on the football field. Some some look like wide-eyed kids and they're a little bit nervous. They don't look like they'd be long out there. Yeah. You know, there's kids still 18, 19. He looks so comfortable yeah. on an AFL field. It is ridiculous. But like, like he was he was per, he's purpose built for it. But you listen to people around that football club. He is such a ready-made AFL player as in that from a very young age, like 12, 13 years old, this has been the trajectory that he's been on. And this is what that young man has worked towards. He is so professional with his his training, with his recovery, with his diet. The bloke is, 
it, like for lack of a better term, he's a robot just with the way that with the absolute efficiency that he goes about things. And that it's going to hold him in good stead for the rest of his career where so many kids come into the AFL system and it takes them two or three years to learn how to be professional. Will Ashcroft has been a professional since he was 14 years old. It's nuts. It is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And, now- and then you add into that being able to go home every night to a father that has, you know, played 300 games, was the first Queenslander to play 300 games, mm. that knows the AFL inside and out, both on the field and around clubs, but also at head office land and in management land. Um, you know, you, you have a kid that's had the perfect resource, you know, for all the off-field stuff and the mental stuff. Um, you know, yeah, he, he is as perfect a product that has come into the AFL system in, in such a long time. Well, it's funny, like, you know, and you maybe look at look at the Dacosters who are who are wonderfully humble, unlike their father. Um, or you look, or, or, Jesus Christ, I don't think we'd heard a word out of Peter Dacos for about 18 years. Since Channel, oh, 10, busy. Since Channel 10 got well, rid of him. Well, oh, exactly right. Well, I don't know why he's off siring children. All of a sudden, he, he's back. Um, I, had to, I had to explain to a rugby league fan the other day who he was, because I keep hearing um, from him. Like, well, he uh, was he any good? Well, yeah, no, he was. Mm. He was great, but you know, just kind of just disappeared for a bit. <laughs> now he's now back. he's absolutely but, uh, back uh, with a vengeance. Uh, uh, but you look at uh, you look at like a young Chris Judd who was you know, he was a very boring operator, but he was professional as all hell. Uh, and uh, I, I say this because I don't know. Maybe 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 we've become, we've become cynical over the years, or no, we've seen poor examples of young talented blokes who've maybe been caught up in the in the bright lights of AFL footy, which is completely understandable, but you look at this kid and you go, There's no ego. No. There is absolutely no ego here. And it's it's not that I'm I'm trying to spell any rumors that there are, because there mm. just isn't. Uh, and I, I think that to your point, that has a lot to do with his father, who, you know, has played his entire career three hundred games in Queensland. Yeah. So you've got a very different view of being a footballer to someone who played 300 games down in Melbourne. Now, obviously, only the true professionals make it to that number. But to do 300, like, you know, you've got those guys who do it in, in Perth. and but, but that's it. You know, but they're in a footy town. It's different. It is different. To play 300 Queensland games, hmm. you, you have to be driven by something greater. Oh, absolutely. But also to have that father, and the same with the Dacos kids, is that, from a very young age, they know the pitfalls for young footballers and they know the pitfalls that fame and being a successful athlete brings with them, whether they be, you know, off-field issues, drugs, women, you know, money issues. Oh, money, or oh, yeah. They, they've they known about this for because they have a life teacher to, to guide them through it. Um, you know, 95% of blokes in the AFL system didn't have fathers that played AFL football and so it's all new to them. And they're they're basically going through through that process unguided. These kids have known about it since you know they were you know young enough to express an interest in playing AFL football. So, and and that's one of the great things about the uh, the father son draft system as well. That these kids are exactly yeah. It's not it's not that e. I don't know, I'm sure we we all thought about it at some point as a kid going oh I wish my father played AFL so I had an easier chance. Yeah. No. It actually it actually serves like you no know, you, you it more actually means you've been me- mentored yeah you've ho- you've hopefully hopefully but also yeah you've had that, that sort of spirit guide to take you through but if you're good enough to get to AFL football with a father that played AFL football 
then you know hats off to you and yes you may okay. get some preferential treatment and get picked in a few junior rep sides that you may not deserve to be in by virtue of your name but also i counter that with the fact that every kid like we had one kid that played in my team whose father was an afl footballer very good father a very good afl footballer and he got targeted name names jack no. oh yeah He got targeted by every other opposition team because his dad was a famous footballer. Went after him because that's, oh yeah, you you know, and and for whatever reason, like his dad might be coming down and watching them and going, oh yeah, my kid can play. Is he better than your kid? Uh, But they, they wear that. They get targeted by, you know, the, the local Yobbo, um, or, or, or they can't live up to or it. Or they can't live up to it. And it's a lot of pressure. Which, and which I reckon, we, which, uh, it, especially if you wanted to be and you couldn't, yeah. uh, I can't imagine that. Anyway, we're, like, uh, we're doing exactly what I didn't want to do at the start of the year was focus too much on one poor kid. But he, he's, he's done an awesome job. And that midfield, they now look set. They do. They, uh, There's a bit, of te- a, bit of, a bit of teething at the start of the year, which yeah, really we should have given them more grace, more of a grace period for. But yeah, they are set now. Um, along with Dunkley in that midfield, you know, McCluggage was good. Just everyone was solid across the board. Um, unfortunately for the Lions, a bit of injury news coming out of that game. Zorks is going to miss with a hamstring. Um, could also have been in the concussion protocols over that, uh, well, pretty shit-ass tackle from Matt Johnson. Uh, not good great. to show that not the great. kid has a bit of aggression and a bit of ticker, but you can't be running around tackling blokes like that and having longevity in an AFL career. Dan Rich as well with that calf, niggling calf injury. They both could miss, you know, up to a month of football. Both of them will probably be back in about two to three weeks' time. But it, it is it is dangerous without Zorko because we know that how much of a... He's had a sensational year. He has, he's, he's had a really good year. He's completely unburdened by the captaincy. He's moving like he's in his mid-20s again. And, yeah, he also just provides that... And, and we know that he's not the captain anymore, but he's on-field leadership. He's still one of the loudest voices in the room at the Lions and that a lot of the players, especially the younger ones, look to him, you know, when the chips are down. So, uh, yeah, and it's um, – and even, you know, probably us took Zorko for granted a little bit um, in just how important his leadership is to that side. So, mm, I think so. If the the Lions can you know string together a few wins without Rich, without Zorgo, uh, these will be important because we've known in the past, and we'd have to actually go and do some stat hunting. But their record in the last sort of seven or eight years when Rich and Zorgo hadn't played, it wouldn't be too many games, but I dare say it wouldn't be a winning record. I I, I couldn't imagine either. Let's just quickly have a look at their next month. So they get, they get, and I'm I'm worried. About, I'm actually worried about Friday, maybe because no Carlton really had a chance to get their eye in. Um, but the Carlton at Marvel on Friday night. Then they've got the Bombers at the Gabba. Fifty-fifty uh, should win that. Adelaide away at Adelaide Oval, and they've got Hawthorne. So, look, it, it's a challenging run. Best case scenario, they're going to end up nine and two. But mm. uh, there's just uh, maybe I'm still hurt by that that Paddy Cripps game. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I know you know the one I'm talking about. Um, no, the, the COVID ravaged Lions side lost to Essendon last year. It's Adelaide. Well, they are very good, but show they couldn't win when they needed to. So you're right. It, it, it's going to be a tough little stretch without them. Um, I want to put it to you. Who comes into the side? Because uh, we see Ryan Lester return, which is great uh, as someone who has been part of the fabric of that club, but you now has always done his time in the twos for the great, greater good of the side. I love seeing him back in the team. But um, 
who comes back in next? I saw Dev Robertson play the house down a couple of weeks ago in the year BFL. Say, you know, you know, you know what I'm angling towards. I want Beast Mode back. Yeah, and you know, as we've become so accustomed to Beast Mode doing in the twos, he absolutely dominated for the twos last time out. That was a fortnight ago against the Giants. They had the bye last weekend in the VFL, but you know, he, he puts up ridiculous numbers. Uh, in the VFL, we, we all want to see Beast Mode get his chance. Is Beast Mode going to win a Brownlow medal in his career? Probably not, but we love him. He's the barometer, and he can still find a fair bit of football. But I think, you know, you, you have Rich, who's a you know potent ball user off half back, and then you have Zorko, who's a, a bit of a live wire, you know, outside player, around half forward, drift forward, um, go through the midfield where Reese Matheson's just an out-and-out pure inside midfielder. So I, I, I think it would be more Dev Robertson, um, who's also put together some decent form at VFL level, um, had 29 touches last time out. They are very keen on Jimmy Tunstall. They he's are. a man that's got a lot of upside. He's also put together some good numbers since he got dropped after round four, I believe it was. So I, I think it would be Robertson and Tunstall. And I think that they... They know what they have in Matheson, and he's a known commodity. Uh, Calamarchi as well. I w- actually, I wouldn't be surprised to see Calamarchi come in as the the like for like with Daniel Rich. But I think he might be the I, right, the might yeah the right fit down I there. I think it'll it'll be Dev Robertson and Jimmy Tunstall because they want to get games into these young men, and they, as I said, Reese Matheson's a known commodity. They can plug yep. and play Reese Matheson. For any one of their inside mids, Dunkley goes down, Will Ashcroft goes down, Lockie Neal goes down. Reese Matheson comes in and, you know, why probably not as good as those other players, the Lions midfield doesn't really miss a beat. So they know what they have there. Uh, I, I think that they want a better chance to get games into Tunstall and Robertson. There's rumours around Robertson potentially heading to WA at the end of his contract at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, look, if he hasn't been getting enough game time, uh, a team like West Coast, we're looking at their lips at the prospect of you know, getting him back home. So, uh, and you can understand that. You can understand well, that. So, you're right. Also, Let's, if you're fucking play, play him in, play him into the side. And right also, now. taking a very shrewd business view, you look at Devin Robinson and you go, okay, he comes into the side, he plays well, you know, he strings together 10 to 15 games, you know, establishes himself at AFL level. Okay, he just goes from being worth a you know mid second round draft pick to a mid first round draft pick or a late first round draft pick, so it's all it's all capital coming back. So I think they'll these are human beings, Jack. They are. These are human beings. They are, and they're tradable. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, that's the that that's also the other the other side of it. Um, uh, obviously, I don't think Chris Fagan and his match committee are going to be sitting down thinking of that on uh, Wednesday or Thursday night or whenever they get together to name the team. But it certainly would come into into consideration. So, oh, Well, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But no, yeah, you, you put forward a very good business case. Thank you. Um, it, it looked like Harris Andrews will probably get the job on Charlie Kerno. You know, Harris uh, stayed 11 marks last week. Charlie kicks nine. But, um, Jeez, another, yeah, I, I, another one who's killing it. I have seen this match for a while. Another one that's yeah. killing it down back and will probably get Harry Mackay. Jack Payne, the pain train. I'm loving his development. Yeah, I, I, I love. Uh, I was, I was a little bit uh, on his spot in the side, yeah. but he, he's just it, putting together like a really solid portfolio. And he's and been I, I, suspect by foot uh, across his career, 
issues over his disposal. He's been very good in the last month of football. Uh, took eight eight marks last week against the Dockers. Probably, I think, five or six of them intercepted. I'll have to have a look. Uh, really good. Like seven rebound 50s. So he's getting plenty of the football. And, he, and he's starting to use the football with a bit more flair and a bit more go, um, which has been one of those things is that in years gone by, he's taken intercept marks. But he's always been the back off the mark, move the ball slowly, almost overcautious about what he wants to do with it. And it just seems like he's looking more natural at AFL level, which is which is fantastic to see. And, you know, the Dockers, they, they still have some quality in their forward line as well. And, um, you know, Jack Payne's game on the weekend along with Harris. And, you know, we're, we're always going to miss Marcus Adams because he's one of our favourites here at Northern Exposure, the human dumbbell. We love him. We absolutely love him. But Jack Payne is uh, making... Uh, He's covering the absence of Marcus Adams quite well, especially over the last month. So congrats to Jack Payne, and we hope he keeps stringing together that kind of form. Yeah, good. Now, the Lions take on the Blues at Marvel Stadium Friday night footy, which is bloody exciting. And uh, the Gold Coast Suns taking on the Demons. Just quickly, uh, in the Brisbane-Carlton game, Jack, who's it to be week for? Brisbane-Carlton. I think it is a... I think it's a big week for Kitty Coleman. Yeah. Friday night yeah, yeah, Friday night lights where he, he's played some very good games in the last 18 months, Kitty Coleman. With Daniel Rich out, I think that this is the game where Kitty Coleman on national television puts his name up in lights as a serious, serious footballer in the AFL. Yeah, because his credentials have always sort of been tested when Dan Rich is away. Yeah, yeah he's fine with Rich's back up and he's been allowed to shine. Now with Rich out of the picture... He, I, he, you're right. He can have a game where, jeez, ninety nine percent kicking efficiency. A lovely kick, but good call, Jack. Good call. And, and you have a look at Marvel Stadium. Is it, it has similarities to the Gabba. The deck is quite hard. Um, you know, fast under the roof with no wind. Ball zings about uh, traditionally. So, I think that's a kind of environment that Kitty Coleman will enjoy, and hopefully, we can see him have a, a really big game. Now, Nico, let me ask you the same question. Ah, Who so like I set it up this way. Is it a big night for on Friday night under the dome? Ah, damn, I was hoping you could ask me about the Gold Coast. Um, look, I, I'm going to say uh, Harris Andrews. Mm. This is this is the type of uh, on uh, rampaging Charlie Kerno, and you know the, the, the Blues fans will be up and about. I'd, I'd expect around forty thousand in the house for this one. I, uh, they'll get the, the, as we've talked about the the big lie on Street Raw going. They they love their hero in Kerno. Yeah. Players they were, and fans, they want to see bags of goals kicked. And this is just, this is the body type that has never suited Harris Andrews. So this is a massive game yeah, for the him. big, strong, power forward. Charlie Kerno's form. And we know, you got to preface it with the fact that they're playing West Coast, but he was very good on the weekend. Oh, but Jack, Jack you you know it as a forward. If you, if you kick nine goals, yeah. your tail's up. Yeah. You think you can do anything. Yeah, 100%. So huge, um, huge test for Harris, not- huge test for the Lions. I'm excited though. Very, very, very excited for that game. Mm. Nervous, but excited. Uh, Gold Coast, Melbourne. Who is it a big night for? I think it is a big night for the Lions mid. Uh, for the sorry, not the Lions, for the Suns midfield. <laughs> and I'm going to say it is a huge night for Jared Witt. And I wouldn't be surprised to see. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Mar- Marbio Chow was 
average at best when he went into the ruck against the Tigers. I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring Ned Moyle in for a run to play two ruckmen against Gorn and Grundy. But we've seen it in the past, and we saw it round two last year when the Suns took it right up to the reigning Premier Ds and almost knocked them off, that if Jared Weds can break even with Gorn and Grundy, the Suns can win this match. Got to believe, baby. Got to believe. Huge week for the Suns, right? I'm excited. Oh, imagine, imagine two in a row. Like, I, 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 I think a lot of people will be quick to rule the Suns out here, but this is, and look, we've been here so many times, I'm not going to harp on about it, but it's just imagine, imagine if they and could, if they could pull this one out of the fire. That if they get a, you know, maybe a light splash of rain, but at least a greasy deck up there at Metricon Stadium. Yeah, they stops the D's moving the footy quickly. Stops the D's moving the football quickly. Brings the uh, lets the Suns have a little bit more time to set up their defensive structures. The Suns can they can knock off the Demons. I'm not saying they will, but they have the tools no. to, and they have the game plan to. And when they get their defensive set up right, they can choke teams. We saw them choke Geelong up there uh, about a month ago, and as we've seen that okay, Geelong weren't playing their best footy at that time, but Geelong are a very good football team. Richmond on their day are a very good football team and the Suns did a number on them. So look, we yeah, it's possible. There's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. How good? Before we, go, before we go, who on the Suns is it a big week for? Who do you want to see the most out of this week? I'm gonna say whoever tags Clayton Oliver. Ooh, Put a tag on him. Hard tag. Straight away. Hard tag. I I, I want to see a hard tag on Oliver. Just Take, just take out one of one of their Rolls Royces. You go then, Matt Rowell and Clayton it, Oliver, ringer on ringer crying. <laughs> oh no, I feel like they'll just look at each other in the yeah. eyes like when the two Millhouses meet in the Sims. It's like, is this what happens when doves cry? <laughs> <laughs> the loser of the head-to-head battle. <laughs> yeah. the, the loser of the head-to-head battle doesn't get to use sunscreen for the next year. Oh, the <laughs> SPF 50 Derby. <laughs> the Banana Boat Cup. <laughs> Oh, the zinc showdown! Yeah, yeah you want you want it's a, it's a four thirty five game. You watch as like most of them have played on the broadcast wing, <laughs> just going down. As the sun's still on the far side of the ground, we're not leaving there. Uh, Half time, it's safe to come out. Yeah, hey, Ed Langdon, can you run down that wing? I'll run down this one. <laughs> oh, how good! I'm sure. I'm sure that's probably happened. <laughs> All right. Jo- Jacko, excellent pod. Make sure uh, you grab us on socials anywhere we are, which is TikTok, that's Instagram, that's Twitter. Northern Exposure pod, and hit us for up. For next week, the Northern Exposure Grand Studio will be up. It will be running. We'll oh, be doing this in person, face-to-face, and it is just going to be hot diggity damn good for footy. That's exciting times. Mm-hmm. Exciting times. You're stuck with us through the tough early build of the season. Now it's about to get very good. I'm Nick. He's Jack. You've been exposed. Bye for now.